Welcome to Crypto Talk Radio, the podcast for everyday investors like you. Visit us on the web at CryptoTalkRadio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Thank you for that, Bailey, and welcome everybody out there in Crypto Talk Radio found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? I care. Leister at CryptoTalkRadio.net cares. I always care. I'll tell you what time it is. It's crypto time. It's time to talk about it. It's time to analyze it a little bit. It's time to ask some questions because there's some questions need to be answered. And it's also time to give my credit because some of the things that we will talk about are things I told you would be the truth in a little bit. And they have come true. And I'm taking a victory lap on that one. But a little personal side deal here. I want to just kind of give a little rant. I call it a rant. It's a little bit of a rant. So here's what happened this morning. I was checking on my little tablet deal on stocks and crypto and other things, getting ready for the business day. And I noticed that the tablet, it has a feature. It says, hey, your internet doesn't like it's working. Okay, I know my internet's working because I have a lot. I've spent a lot on the freaking internet. It has to be like $800 on the setup because of the way it works. But it's it's it the piece that's kind of wonky is I got fiber. And I have two internet providers, technically three, but two primary internets. There's the fiber and there's cable. And the fiber, what what happened is that's actually did go out. I got up. I didn't want to, but I got up. It's like 5 a.m. And I checked the router, the flashing red, which is not good. And I see that the fiber gateway is all screwed up. So I'm trying to reset it like I normally do, and it's not working. So I actually tried to contact the fiber company and AT&T. I'm going to call them out, right? So I tried to call them. Now, I hadn't realized, because I used to work for the company that preceded AT&T. It used to be called SBC. And before that, that there was a different company underneath that one. I was on the SBC side. Pac Bell was before that. Then it was SBC, Pacific Bell. That's where I worked. So and that was then later AT&T. Well, I, I was used to what customer service was about. That's where I worked. And I knew what it was. I knew the quality. I knew what we were expected to do. I do this call. And it's an Indian call center. And I'm just like, really, dude? An Indian freaking call center? Back back in my day, we had zones, right? You know, you're going to do the calls for the West Coast. You're going to do the calls for the Midwest. You're going to do the calls for the East Coast. We would never outsource it unless if it was completely outside of normal hours. But even then, we would still have reps that would work the graveyard shift. That was one of my favorite shifts. So I'm shocked to hear it's a freaking Indian call center. On a regular utility, now it makes sense why the damn cell phone went blown out. Of course, I don't have a cell phone, not a smartphone, I should say. And I don't use AT&T. But the point is, I can see why their thing went to crap because they started outsourcing this stuff. They used to be the pinnacle. They used to be at the top. And I can't imagine what they are. So anyway, I hang up on this this person because they're asking me. First of all, it's a 10-minute wait to get to a person. They call me back and I'm not doing the Indian call to guy. I'm not doing... Can I have your number? I'm not doing that. And I'm not repeating myself and having to spell it out slow and follow the script. I don't have time for this crap. My internet's down. So I hang up on, go onto social media and I go through casuals uh, on because casual has its Twitter account. I don't do uh, crypto talk on Twitter anymore, but casual still has it. I send the message to the, uh, their, uh, their situation say, Hey, here's what's happening. I don't have what I need here. I need to get this thing fixed. What the heck's going on? Right. So <laughs> person, it's a, it's a AI response. And so I'm livid at this point. Cause I'm like, no, get a freaking human, human contacts back, gives her phone number. 
So I'm trying to reach that person back. I get the person's voicemail. I leave a voicemail saying it don't work. And I am cussing at this point, but it doesn't work. And I need this fixed and I'm not going through scripts. Let's get it done. Here's the phone number. You need to contact Joe in the back end and figure out what the heck's wrong with my business and get this thing sorted out. Okay. I never got a call back just for giggles. I decide to go and completely, I'm talking completely power off every part of the gateway and leave it off for an extended period. I shouldn't have to do this because I had done the unplug and it didn't work. And I did the reset button. And it didn't work per the instructions, but I decided to just do a full power cycle. This thing do a full power cycle comes back up. So I'm, you know, so I fixed it myself, but the point is like their online tool, it doesn't work. Indian freaking call center social media. that doesn't freaking work. Like it's just a crap experience. And it told me, this is why I do backup, why I have a primary internet and why I have a backup internet. The backup internet right now is the primary for my endeavor, but I use it to roll over in case the primary goes out. So, and then I downgraded the plan on the primary because I'm like, screw you. I'm not paying 250 bucks a month when you can't even keep the thing stable. I refuse. So that's, that's how my morning went. After that, I got dialed in, looked at cryptocurrency and said, I can't wait to talk to the listeners on the podcast about what I'm seeing here because I see some, some signs and some of these I predicted and some of these I got wrong. And I wanted to talk about it and I was eager. That's why I wanted to get the freaking internet working on the primary side because I was so excited to talk to you about it. Hopefully you were able to take some profits and hopefully you were able to make some money out of what we saw because there was profits to be had. Those are gone now. I'll tell you a little bit more about that after the jump. Now, when I say gone, I don't mean completely gone. I mean, temporarily stalled, temporarily halted, temporarily paused, not quite there, still has a break, still has to recover. I'm not meaning permanent. That's not what I meant. Hopefully you didn't take it that way. Let's start with the numbers, coindesk.com. And I'm going to start with Bitcoin this time. And I'm going to zoom out to the month chart. And what you saw, now this is over a span of about a day and a half, just to put in perspective of what happened. Over the last day and a half, we had the run-up goes from roughly about $53,000 all the way up to past the 60000 mark. And people expected that we were going to start tapering off as people were starting to take some profits. And we're starting to see that now. So as we record this, 60000 was our low end, a high of about 64000 So we had a very wide range of price movement, and now it's starting to taper back off. It's not that we're losing momentum. It's still on a positive momentum, but we did lose a lot of that unreasonable uptrend that was happening. Profit taking was going to happen. But I also noticed something when I looked at Ethereum. Because when I looked at Ethereum and I zoomed out its month chart, Ethereum is on a strong upward trend, as in it's pumped up. It did taper slightly, but it didn't last very long. 24 hours, a low of 3,300, a high of 3,500. Hovering about the 3,400 mark as I record this, with no signs of stopping. We also saw a lot of the secondary tokens, especially on Ethereum, but certainly Solana benefited, BNB benefited at a point, and some of the other chains benefited from some of this run-up on the altcoins. I wouldn't necessarily call it this amazing run-up because we still, with Bitcoin, it's getting very close to its all-time high. Ethereum still got a ways to go. Remember, Ethereum was, I'm pretty sure it was in the 6,000s at one point. It certainly was at the 4,000s. Well, we're not at the 4,000s. We didn't get close to that yet. So Ethereum's got some way to go. BNB, I'm fairly certain, got as high as $600. It's hovering about $400 as I record this. We got some ways to go. That means there's opportunity there. Now, if you miss some of this run-up, 
there's still, at least on the altcoin side, opportunity to make some profit. I would argue that Bitcoin's got a ways more to go, so there's certainly profit opportunity on Bitcoin, but if you're trying to maximize profit, I believe the altcoins are going to be the way to do that, the most efficient way to do that. This is my opinion as I state it. The other thing I noticed on the Solana chain, Solana started to have with the different alt, you know, the different garbage tokens, you know, the Myros and Bonks and whatever, et cetera, on Solana was starting to take a lot of the money. A lot of this money was pumping into these garbage tokens. As I record this, a lot of that money's flowing back into Solana itself, as well as a lot of the stable coins. Solana is currently hovering about $136. It got as high as I want to say $360 in the last run 2021. So we got a ways to go for Solana and profit opportunities. People speculate then with the having and other events that are happening that Solana could very well go beyond its all-time high, higher to the four, five, six, because there's more utilization on it than there was in the prior run. That's absolutely possible and plausible and something to pay attention to. XRP started to run ever so slightly. Bonk has been on a continuous run all day long. But again, as people take the profits out, we're seeing dips. We're not seeing sustained, constant uptrends. It's starting to dip. But even garbage tokens like Colt and others got their runs on the Ethereum side. So it wasn't just Solana. I did notice though, as I dialed in, as I was getting mentally prepared, as I dialed in and looked at all the numbers, I saw all the Ethereum tokens started to take a little bit of a tank. I'm talking the secondary, not Ethereum itself, but they started to tank ever so slightly and I was curious about what might be happening. When I did a trade earlier though, I noticed that gas was really out of control, like legit out of freaking control. There was one trade and it quoted me like 120 something dollars to get the trade done. Now I went ahead and did it because I've got plenty of Ethereum stacked up, but the gas prices going up indicates there's increased interest, increased traffic, and the chain is starting to get a little bit overwhelmed. Solana, of course, has less gas fees. BNB has less gas fees. Phantom has less gas fees. Matic has less gas fees. This is true. But I didn't see a lot of traffic moving in those directions. I didn't see a lot of money flowing to the vast majority of those. BNB had a little bit of it. Some of those BNB tokens was getting some of the traction. But I still see most of the traffic going to Ethereum. And my theory is as the gas price starts to get unreasonably high, perhaps it just happens to be that people stopped transacting to hold off for gas to come back down, which means that Ethereum's on a brief breather and then there are people who are going back to Bitcoin. That would explain some of the chart movements I was seeing if my theory is correct. I'm not sure. If that's what really happens, that means that Ethereum's poised to go on another run in addition to all the different tokens on that chain and then we'll see some more disruption with the gas. Now, some of the upgrades that the idiot Vitalik and his team were trying to work on was to allay some of this concern with gas. I also think that some of the layer twos, their whole intent was to offload some of the traffic from Ethereum. And I don't think they've been very successful because unfortunately, we're not seeing a lot of that uptick that we expected on the vast majority of the chains. Cardano, for example, it got a little pump, but nowhere near what we would expect. Avalanche got a little pump, not as much as we expect. Polygon, Phantom, not as much as we would expect. So I'm not sure what to think on a lot of these others, layer ones, layer twos, connected to Ethereum in some way, not running with the same level of power that we see on the Ethereum side. And what that really means other than longevity, the fact that Ethereum's just kind of been around for a long period of time, and it's the easiest to get into, I would argue at this point, even easier than Bitcoin, frankly. So with that on talking about Ethereum now and other chains, Bone. Bone ran up ever slightly. I, I say slightly, I'm, you know, I'm being facetious, but ever slightly from a low of just about 60 some odd 66 cents 
to a high of about 74-ish cents very most recently. And people suspected that, okay, now Bone's going to go on its run. Well, it didn't last. It's right back to where it was before. And people are frustrated with Bone. A lot of what's happening with Bone is two parts. Number one, the lack of number one exchanges. That's the biggest thing I think holding it back. Number two, the team sucks and they keep talking about the Shiboshi scrap that nobody cares about. And number three, Shibarium still doesn't do anything, does not have the utilization that you would expect. Meanwhile, Pulse Chain is actually ramping up, especially during this run. We're seeing Pulse Chain's activity go up ever so slightly. Some of these tokens are building on the Pulse Chain because it's there. It's accessible. The Hex token started to run up ever so slightly. So we are seeing more traffic and activity on Pulse Chain. To be fair, Pulse Chain preceded Shibarium. But I think Pulse Chain did a better job of advertising it as a chain and making it accessible for developers to build on it than Shibarium has done so far. Pulse Chain is not focused on NFTs, nowhere near like what Shib is doing. There was a post I saw on Reddit, and it was from a few months ago, but it was a rant from Shatoshi Kasama, who's basically the head guy on Shib. It's basically a rant saying he is being attacked and everybody's fighting him and he's you know, all this stuff. Nobody's grateful for whatever. We have a new team and we're going to do all this stuff. And it gets me thinking that perhaps, you know, with their failures, because they failed quite a few times, maybe the failures have gotten to them where they're no longer able to keep up the momentum that they swore that they were going to be able to do. And seeing that all this competition is now out there and their delay, they launched at a time where the market saturated. Solana took the vast majority of attention away from what should have arguably been Shibarium because, again, during the time, let's say 2022, if they had launched Shibarium on schedule, it would have been the go-to chain because that's when Shibarium and Shib had the most traffic on social media. And then you think about all this garbage that's getting released, all these garbage tokens, and imagine them on the Shibarium chain. Bone would easily be over two figures by now. Easily. You know, 70, 80, 90, $100 by now, which is where it really should be. Right now, there's still no compelling reason to buy it. And without compelling reason to buy it, it doesn't have the volume that's going to entice all these other top exchanges. That's what I think is holding back Bone, in my personal opinion. Anyway, as I looked at all the different stats and data points, I can't think of any other reason, quite frankly. The other point that I'm going to talk about, and this is kind of disconnected, but connected in a way. In what we're seeing with this run-up very most recently and the profit opportunities, people think that we got a long way to go up as in there's way more profit potential. Market cap, total market cap in crypto, $2.28 trillion, well over the threshold and doesn't seem to be stopping. This is then cascading down to the ETFs. The ETFs are at an all-time high. Everything's at an all-time high. And unless there's some sort of a catalyst, negative catalyst that halts the momentum, people think that we're on our way and even prior to the halving. So that's very impressive, right? Something to think about. Tax season is coming up very soon. So on in the United States, if you're outside of the United States, in the United States for individuals, tax filing seasons in April. Businesses is roughly quarterly. You got to consider there's a possibility that there are some dumps of cryptocurrency in order to pay taxes. So that may happen. I'm not saying it will because I can't say for sure. I'm saying it could happen. And if it does, we may see that reflected in the graph where it doesn't go as fast upward as we may expect it to do until we're past this season. So that would put us somewhere in about the second quarter, maybe third quarter, before we see the strong upward trend that people are estimating is going to happen here in the near future. Again, I can't say exactly what's going to happen. I keep my eye on it because I think it's a very curious thing watching what's happening. The other thing I'll, I'll basically, I guess, warn everybody about, tokens that haven't done anything for ages, 
are pumping as well. And this is the form of that catfishing that I described. The idea that there are people out there that are just shifting money around to entice you to buy into it so they can use it as exit liquidity. There's a lot of these tokens that are still out there that are running that really shouldn't because they don't do anything. Like Keanu Inu was running ever so earlier. It doesn't do anything. There's no traffic. There's no nothing. Most of the holders that are still there are dust wallets. It's it's a trap. So my my message to you, my call to action to everybody listening, I can't tell you what to do with your money. I will tell you to be careful if it's not an active project and you see it pumping. That doesn't mean if it's a project where there is an active development team, it just so happens to have been, you know, dead and void during the, the bear that now it's getting pumped and you should ignore it. I'm saying that if it's truly a dead something, you can tell too. If it's truly a dead something, be careful on those because I wouldn't want somebody to get caught out in this situation where they're thinking that it's something that's going to run up and it's really not. And it's really a trap and you get treated as excellent liquidity and lose money instead of gain money. Everybody should be gaining money at this point. A lot of that is gambling, obviously. And I, I again, cannot tell you what to do. I'm saying I wouldn't want somebody to get the money took as the kids say over some scummy project that's literally dead because they're out there trying to do that in force. And I see it. It's obvious, obvious and prominent. And I don't want to see, People get trapped in something that's absolute garbage <laughs> because that's the thing. Doge also ran. So Doge was down at about eight cents. It went up to a high of about 12 cents per. Uh, a lot of money flew all the way into Doge. And remember that Doge doesn't do anything, but I think a lot of the motivation as people were looking at chain analysis was with Doge, there's always been kind of this hope, right? It's a hopium type of thing because it doesn't do anything. Some people were taking profits from some of the garbage to stack bags in some of these other tokens like a Doge, like Shiv, like Leash, and so on, which is smart if you're going to do that, because that means you're not taking on the risk out of your pocket to buy into those projects. It's money you already had, and maybe you're taking profits off of something else, using the profits to buy into something like this one. This one, here's my gut on this one. I think that Doge is... I don't think it's going to get as high as people think it does. Some people think that Doge is going to be able to get as high as like a dollar, two dollars, maybe, but because it has infinite printing capability, I think it's unlikely. The flip on this is that utilities starting to croach into Doge. We're starting to see that some of these developers, they did the ordinals, which I think is a scam, but that's me. They did the ordinals on Doge blockchain. There's games that run using Doge coin. There's all sorts of utility is starting to creep into Doge. I will again warn you, Doge chain, which was a thing, and that still is a thing. It was a blockchain, supposed to be using Doge for it. It had unreasonable pumps, and then it crapped. It's never recovered. Again, I'll stress to be careful with some of these things that are being presented because it is a form of catfishing, all this activity. Some of it's valid and some of it's good, but some of it is absolute you know, garbage. And so just be careful in what you get in and do your research of whether it makes sense to buy in when you see that and if you're doing it off the green candle, be careful, right? Because the green candle is usually a trap. Not always, but usually is. So that's what I got to say on Doge. I'm not going to cover it too much more heavy because more time has to pass on this one. I think that it's a, I think it's a developing situation with that one in particular, as well as some other ones uh, yet to come. For those that use Coinbase, and I simply do not because I think Coinbase is crap, but for those that use Coinbase, I'm going to be talking about Coinbase Wallet uh, for a moment. In order to talk about this development, I need to explain wallets for those that don't, that may not know the technicals in a simple form. 
when you have a wallet, and I'm, when I say wallet, I don't mean the software at this point. I'm talking about a wallet address that's on whichever blockchain. You may not know that you have different wallets. You have wallets on Ethereum. There's an Ethereum wallet. There's a Solana wallet. There's a Dogecoin wallet. There's a Bitcoin wallet. There's different wallet addresses. Most of the popular software wallets, so what you install on your phone or you use on your computer, have gone to what's referred to a multi-wallet. So a multi-wallet basically just blends all of them together into one interface that you're using. But you have multiple wallet addresses underneath it. This is different than the central exchanges. In the central exchange, what happens is they're taking custody of the cryptocurrency on your behalf and they put it kind of like in an escrow for you and they allocate the funds to you, but you don't own it anymore. And that's referred to as a hot wallet. So they'll have multiple hot wallets for different purposes, like Kraken, for example. When you need to deposit cryptocurrency, you have to generate a deposit address and it's different for every cryptocurrency, for every blockchain. When you need to put money in there, when you need to withdraw, you have to give the specific wallet address out. In some cases, there may be a memo that's necessary to withdraw or deposit assets on these. So one challenge people have that they struggle to understand is that the wallet is protected by a couple of different things. It's protected by what's referred to as a seed phrase. And the seed phrase is usually 12 different words, random words in a single phrase. Could be 24, some are 24, some are 12. There's also what's referred to as a JSON file. That's a different thing I'm not gonna talk about here, but there's a JSON file. And then there's what's referred to as a private key. The private key is per wallet within your multi-wallet. So you, your Ethereum has a private key, your Bitcoin is a private key, and so on. The seed phrase is the most common. Most of the wallets will allow you to get the seed phrase if you need to, because if you needed to transfer your wallets to a different software, let's say you, you lose your phone or your phone gets damaged or something, which is why I don't use smartphones, by the way. But let's say that happens and you need to set up on a new a phone or new software, you would need to import the seed phrase or you need to import the JSON to get access to your money. The private key is very infrequently used nowadays because the private key, first of all, again, for the multi, you'd have to pull all of them out. There's usually like 30, 40, 50, and you wouldn't want to do that. So the seed phrase is more convenient to do this. The seed phrase is purposely complex because if it wasn't complex, you could be hacked. So it's difficult to remember it on purpose they'll tell you to write it down. And I advocate writing it down, putting it in a safe or something else where people know that say you trust, I stress that, that you trust, know how to get to it in the event that there's an emergency or something happens to you, right? Other than that, it's hard for people to keep track of the seed phrase. And there's numerous stories of people losing that phrase, losing access to their wallets, getting locked out. There's tons of Bitcoin that's essentially burned because people lost the keys. You hear that term? They can't get back in. They can't get access to that Bitcoin. It's just sitting out there increasing in value. Some of them had Bitcoin from the Silk Road days where they might have like a thousand Bitcoin sitting in a wallet. Can you imagine if they were to dump that, what would happen to the price? That's a lot. But there are those that just happen to have significant amounts of whichever cryptocurrency that are the keys are, are misplaced. So Coinbase there's two entities on Coinbase. There's Coinbase itself, the central exchange, and there's Coinbase Wallet. The Coinbase Wallet, they treat it as a completely different independent deal. What they're trying to do is they're trying to simplify what happens with the wallet experience and get rid of things like the seed phrases. 
get rid of excess layers and build in a passkey concept. So a passkey concept, and I, I'm not a fan of this as a technologist, but a passkey concept. So imagine your computer and hopefully those listening to my show at CryptoTalkRadio.net, welcome and embrace your computer because it's your best friend and you're not mobile only. On your computer, you need to log into it. If you're using Windows, and hopefully those listening to me are using Windows, but if you're using Windows, there's multiple ways to log in. The default way to log in is to not have a password. Well, that's a problem, because if somebody gets that, let's say it's a laptop, then somebody get access to your stuff, right? Second, you could have a password. Ultimately, you can choose what that is. In Microsoft's world, you would create a Microsoft account, and that's how you would do it. Leicester doesn't do that, but you might do that. Or you can do what's referred to as Windows Hello if your device supports it. Windows device support for Windows Hello extends to what the computer can support. So does it have a fingerprint reader, a smart key, smart card rather, you know, different ways, you know, face recognition, different ways to use what's referred to as biometrics to log into your device in lieu of a password. Then there's pin code. And of course, everybody knows pin codes. Well, the passkey concept, what passkeys are trying to do is to basically create a password. It's essentially a password is what it is, but they're trying to get away from you having to type or remember a password by connecting it to things that you would know, like your social media account. So you've seen on sites, I'm sure, login with Google, login with Facebook, right? There's no login with Twitter. I mean, there is, but not heavily used. But login with Google, login with Facebook are the most common ones or login with email. And the email is referred to as a magic link. What happens is you have an email address and hopefully those listening to Leicester, CryptoTalkRadio.net, embrace and welcome the beauty that is email. But with the email, they send you an email message that has a link that automatically logs you in because the assumption is that these two forms are less likely to be breached. Your email is less likely to be breached, I would argue, than your social media. Your social media is actually fairly easy to hack as you've seen what's referred to as SIM swap attacks, where somebody can basically copy your phone number to where they have access to your account. So I'm, that's why Leicester doesn't use a smartphone. Email though is a little bit more protected because essentially you'd have to have locked it down in order to get to it in the first place because they force you to have secure passwords. That's what they're trying to move to in the passkey concept is link it to something less likely to be breached and less likely to be forgotten and more likely to have access to it from whichever device. So there's nothing built yet. It's coming. That's the plan is to at some point get into this world where everything's tied into these credentials. The reason I'm not a fan is because it links what is supposed to be anonymous by definition to something that is known to you, which of course violates your privacy. And I'm not a fan of anything that's going to violate your privacy. I'm not a fan of having to create an account to manage your cryptocurrency unless you're on a centralized exchange. The whole point of the wallet, that's why it's called decentralized. The whole point of the wallet is that it should not require any sort of credentialing whatsoever. And there should not be a link between your wallet and your cryptocurrency and your social media activities or your email. Picture a world where some, I think it's referred to as your social credit score in some countries. Picture a world where the types of cryptocurrencies that you trade creates a score that's used against you because they know who you are because you connected to your social media. And then that blocks or limits your access to certain services, or even worse, allows the tax authority to come after you for some money. Am I tinfoil? Probably. I'm giving you some things to think about about why I don't like it.
But I'm giving it to attention because this may be a precursor as to what's coming in the future. As I wrap up today, again, I'm hoping that you're taking profits with all these pumps that are happening because that's profit that you're entitled to and you should be taking profits anywhere and everywhere that you can. I've always said that the core coins can never steer you wrong and this is where I was proven correct because all of them have been running up really darn solid. I mean, you're going to have more ones that are more than others like Solana, but all of them have had really good moments and really good opportunities to make some money and hopefully you're taking advantage of those and availing yourself of these. And in the big picture, if you're a gambler that's going out to the garbage, there's still opportunity there. Just be careful with what you do, whatever that is. Make sure that the money you throw at it is money you can afford to lose because all bets are off. There's a lot of garbage and scams that truly are coming up. And I wouldn't want somebody to get caught out and their money taken from them through no fault of their own. Other than that, enjoy the ride. I think it's going to be a bumpy ride, but I think we're going to be in a good spot coming out the back end.